0: Offscript with Super E recommends listener discretion as these real, but sometimes uncensored stories can be filled with mature content. Hello everybody, Jay here with another episode of Offscript with Super E. I'm in my own room slash studio for this version of it. A-Train is at the Palatial A-Train Studios. A-Train, say something.
1: Hi, everybody. How are you? Hey, uh, I have to address something pretty serious. I got a call from, uh, from our HR department at Super E Podcast headquarters. Um, I guess on our last episode, Super E used the term wife beater. Seven times. And uh, we've been instructed that uh, from now on, he has to refer to his wife beater shirt as a tank top. (laughs) Politically correct.
2: Yes. To avoid being canceled. Yes.
1: Right. Yeah. They were, we were reprimanded. So, uh, so yeah, we're going to, yeah. In the spirit of, of being PC, we're going to change that to tank top from now on. All (laughs) right, Super
0: E. Are you, Right now, wearing your tank top?
2: No, I I took it off. Right now, of course, I'm wearing my Goodwill hoodie sweatshirt that's two sizes too small with the sleeves cut off.
0: It's very comfortable. Nice. Those uh, biceps are ripping, rippling, aren't they? (laughs) Yes. Okay, it's a good visual. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, that being said, tank top. (laughs) <laughs> Tell us a tale
2: Well, this is a tale that uh, A-Train referred to On the last episode It was in the late 90s And uh, I had one of my uh, Female informants She came up missing Now, she had been uh, an informant with us For a couple of years mm-hmm. Very, very effective And, of course, you know Like a lot of informants uh, that helped us with narcotics. They were battling their own issues and problems and trying to get clean. And every once in a while, I guess she would be clean for a while, then fall off the wagon, be clean. Well, it was about in the early, probably maybe February. Her family, they got a hold of me and they said, uh, "We're going to call her Teresa. I'm not going to say her name, respect for the family." Her family calls me and says, Hey, have you seen Teresa? We haven't seen her for like three or four days. And I or heard from her. And I I said, Well, I thought she was going on some trip with a friend of hers to Colorado. That's what she told me she was doing. They said, Yeah, she was supposed to, but she she never showed up to meet her friend for them to go to Colorado for, for the trip. And I said, That is odd, you know, because usually we would hear from her on a regular basis with any information, she would just check in with us. Hey, what's going on? There's anything you need me to do, or I have this information. So I thought, well, you know, sometimes, you know, people get sick of everything. They might be gone a week or two, well, two weeks go by, I check back with the family. Nobody's heard from her. So now I'm, I'm getting a little concerned. This, this isn't, this isn't like her. And I had always warned her that if somebody, you know, basically tries to force you into a car or into some place, they're going to kill you. So you better run for your life. You know, we just, we talked about that, you know, because this happens to these girls all the time, as we discussed in the last podcast. So while the family's trying to figure out where she is, and I'm kind of keeping my eyes open and, you know, trying, trying to locate her, I get a call from one of the homicide guys, uh, Tom. Tom goes, "Hey, we've got uh, one of the prostitutes was found dead. We don't know if it's an overdose or a foul play or what. We got no idea. And but there's no ID, and we don't know who she is. But you know, she's got a very distinctive nose. I think as a kid, somebody broke her nose, and she had a, a lump on the bridge of her nose." And they said, can you come down and see if you can verify her? I said, okay, well, I go downtown and then the homicide guy picks me up and takes me to the coroner's office. And sure enough, I knew her. Um, we're going to call we'll call her, let's say Tammy. I said, yep, that's Tammy. And I told him her last name and we are able to verify it. And They were trying to figure out, okay, is this a uh, overdose or is this a murder? They didn't know. That's what the coroner's for. Well, I didn't know that homicide guys, A-Train, you know this, homicide guys have to stay for the autopsy.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: I had never seen an autopsy. We didn't go see one in the academy. I never saw it on TV. I was not prepared for what I was about to see. When they got out the circular saw and started cutting into, you know, checking the brain and all this. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Oh my God, I had to look away. But then the coroner, he looked over at the homicide investigator, Tom, and gave him the choke signal. He had to remove her larynx and see that there was some bruising around the larynx indicated that she'd been strangled. Mm hmm. Yeah, they so,
1: a, lot, a lot of times on that strangling, the the hyoid bone will get fractured there in the throat.
2: I bet that's what we saw. Yes, I think that's exactly right. So now we've got, we've got, a mur- we've got a murder. Well, then another prostitute comes up dead, being found in the field, and you know uh, I knew her too.
0: How much? How much time between these two death investigations?
2: I think maybe like a week. Okay. Okay. So now we've got two homicides out there. And they're like, okay, is this a pattern? Is this just one guy? And so then um, I think, I'm trying to remember this. They find a body in an apartment, at vacant apartments near our downtown area on the main drag. They find a a body. And um, I believe it was another prostitute. I can't remember which one it was. And so now we got, I believe, three uh, victims of murder, of being strangled. And so... And
0: uh, for for reference, what kind of time frame are we talking here?
2: Just um, uh, three weeks, maybe, something like that. Okay. Uh, Okay. And so then... I get a call from one of the detectives, and he asked me about my informant that was missing. He calls me on the phone and goes, hey, did your girl, Teresa, have a, uh, a tattoo on her left shoulder? I think it was like of a something like a, a rose or something. And I said, I don't think so. I didn't know. I said, I don't think so. So I called her family. And I said, hey, guys, uh, Teresa, have it like a tattoo on her left shoulder? And they go, yeah, of a rose. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh. And they go, what did what, you find? I go, oh, no, no, nothing, just, you know, because I didn't know what was going on at the time. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess a couple of weeks after they found the body of the girl in the apartment, somebody was complaining that there was an odor in that same apartment, real bad odor, decomposing body. Mm-hmm. They went back to check it, and inside that apartment, was Teresa's decomposing body. She had been murdered before the first girl and remember this was an abandoned apartment full of junk and stuff and so it was very easily for them to overlook you know she could have been under something or hidden mm-hmm. and then they found Teresa and uh, she had been there for weeks and I'm like Oh my God. So now I've got to call the family and I had, it, it was the hardest thing to do. You know, I yeah. went over to the house and they're, they're just falling apart. It was horrible. So now yeah. we know there's a guy out there killing prostitutes.
1: Okay. So three, three or four yes, uh, prostitutes have been killed. They were all being treated all they- as, as you know, three or four separate homicides, not
2: killed. yeah. Yes, it's like they hadn't really connected him yet. Okay. Or they they probably knew there was a connection, but they just couldn't prove it. Right. And they they don't, and they don't, you guys don't want to tip your hand too soon, right? A train in these kind of situations on these investigations.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah.
2: Okay. So then I heard that there was a woman abducted at a speedway gas station, rush hour traffic, five o'clock on the main drag, right there where the other. Uh, murders that happened all within you know three or four blocks i guess this woman was uh putting gas in her car and this suspect very strong guy he was a big strong guy he she gets in her car he gets in their passenger seat she gets in the car he just grabs her forces her to take him around the corner to a vacant apartment i believe he raped her he took her out of that apartment, took her to another apartment, raped her again, and then somehow, I think he made her drive somewhere, and then he just jumped out of the car. Mm-hmm. Why he didn't kill her, I have no idea. But this woman wasn't a prostitute. She was uh, uh, somebody, co- you know, a commuter coming home from work. She was at a gas station, broad daylight, or like, you know, it is right now, sunny out. And uh, he just jumped in her car and, and took her right there, I guess. His compulsions were getting so strong that he ha- he didn't care who it was, he didn't care what time of day it was or how many people saw him do it. He just kidnapped her, raped her, and surprisingly, didn't murder her. Wow. Well, she gave she gave out such a good description of him from that area that they arrested him and they put his picture on the, on the TV. And then another one of my informants that I had worked with, you know, for probably eight years or I'm sorry, about six years. She calls me on the phone and told me this story that kind of made my blood run cold. She well, also like ever, all these people in the nineties were were fighting uh crack addiction mm-hmm. and she would you know get off the crack go back to the crack get off to the crack get off crack well one night her urge was real strong she jumps in her boyfriend's truck it was like about a 78 ford it was an old truck and she's driving around in this area where this where this guy preyed on women he was a predator and he knew their weakness was they would not worry about any danger signals or anything throw caution to the wind because that desire was for crack was so strong that they would chance letting a stranger get in a vehicle with them and take him to these uh, desolate areas. So she sees this guy, he sees her, she's very attractive, kind of flags her down, ask her what she's doing. She said she was looking for crack. He goes, I can help you with that. I can get you that. And she said he was so friendly. Now, remember, she had been a. She had been for years. She, had been, you know, been a street prostitute. So she's run across everybody, and her um, reading body language was extremely good. She was extremely intelligent. Okay. This guy, this guy, fooled her. Completely fooled her. He, she thought he was just the nicest guy in the world, and he was just looking to make some money and to get high with her. Hmm. And so. He's in the truck with her and he directs her to uh, just, a, you know, round the corner, down the alley. Next thing she knows, they're in a dark, desolate area behind an abandoned apartment building, the same one where we found the victims. And so she stops and, and you know, it's, it's dark out and she gets her money out and she goes, well, here's the money. Are you going to go get it. And sh- she said, you know, he was being real chatty and laughing with her there was just dead silence now. And then she looked at him and made eye contact and his eyes went from friendly and warm to, she said she described it kind of like possessed kind of demonic eyes that didn't look at her, just looked through her. Like she, you know, like she wasn't there. She meant nothing to him. And in a, in a flash, his arm came out and his hand was round her throat and he was starting to strangle her. And she said he was so powerful. There was nothing she could do about it. Now, she was fighting for her life. Now, when when women are in the situation, when the adrenaline gets up, women know, women know how to fight to survive. And she said nothing she did. Could, she couldn't do anything. He was just overpowering her. And he was just forcing her head and neck down into the seat while her feet went up and, and was hitting the roof of the truck. And she was pleading for her life and she's saying, please don't do this. Please don't kill me. And she said, the eyes just looked right at her, but were looking right through her. And she knew that she was going to die right then. She goes, I'm going to die. He does not care. He wants to murder me. And as she was going out her last, she started, you know, having a reflex. She felt the metal horn ring on the truck. Remember, this is an old truck. They got the horn rings,
1: Oh, wow. whatever
2: they were, uh huh. And she just laid on that. She felt it, and she just laid on that horn. And I guess it annoyed somebody who happened to walk by, and somebody screaming started screaming, "Quit laying on that horn!" And what are you doing? And right then, she felt his grip on her throat relax, and she, you know, she came out of it, and she could see his eyes, and they slowly came from a trance of you know of murder. Wanting to murder her, she could see in his eyes now the, the uh, goal of murdering her. His eyes turned to fear, and it's like he was about ready to get caught. And he looked at her and just jumped out of the truck and took off. When she told me this, she goes, I she, she said, I knew I was a half a, a half a second away from death. If my hand would have hit that horn, I would have been dead. And she would have been another victim. They would have found her body up in that apartment, all right? And and so what I did was I called a, a detective out, and he got her information. And by this time, they put it together that this guy—can we say his name?
1: Nah, let's not.
2: Okay. Okay. By this time, they they had put it together that this guy was linked to all the murders. Right. And I, I guess her information was basically like icing on the cake, her and the other survivor. And he was convicted of these murders. And I guess he's doing two life sentences on this mm-hmm. right now. But for like two months, it was like the police were it. We were gripped by fear of, you know these women are being murdered. How are we going to stop it? And I can't remember if it got a lot of media attention or not. You know,
1: I I remember that was, that was before I went into homicide. Um, I mean, I I know a little bit about, you know, the whole story. I, I think it got some media attention, but not as much as you would think. Um, you know, there's a guy out there. Um, I, yeah, he's a serial killer, you know, he's killing all these, um, prostitutes
2: um and, yeah and then after a while, this is generally the way it works if you see enough of these cases these serial killers they start with the prostitutes because they're the easiest victims right and they're basically invisible people because if they disappear it's like oh they just went off on a you know crack binge they're gone nobody cares but then he you know he couldn't control himself and then he he went after uh you know somebody who's just a a regular you know, working person coming home from work, he couldn't control his urges. And now he's going to start killing
0: all women, not just prostitutes. A hey, super E question. The yep. uh, commuter, as you put it, that he uh, sexually assaulted and was arrested for. Did that happen before this last victim you told us about? So, I mean, I I, I just want to make sure. That... I, th- I,
2: th- I think it happened. Either, uh, I think they both happened around the same time.
0: Okay. So want, he wasn't like arrested for rape, released, and then went back out and did this last one with the survivor with the horn.
2: No, no. I think he was in jail for uh, abducting the woman at the gas station. And then my informant, when she saw his picture on TV, she had to tell me, but she, she was afraid to tell, she was afraid to, to, uh, talk to any other police officer about it.
0: Right. Okay. okay. There's, they don't, they don't trust the police. I mean, that's... yes,
2: she, did, uh, she did not trust the police. So I believe her situation happened before he, uh, took the woman
0: from the gas station around the same time. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So when okay. he was arrested, he was arrested for that one. And then this one followed.
2: Y- yes. And okay. so they put it all together. And so um, she came forward to me because she thought she didn't want him to get found not guilty of this because of all these women murdered. She didn't want some sort of technicality or some. So she just wanted to verify. Yeah, he did this to me. And I was able to survive because somebody walking by a bystander kicked up a fuss about the horn and took him out of his trance right. of murder. And, and she way.
0: probably in the very um, infant stages of DNA. So it uh, probably wasn't just an instant, oh, DNA, DNA, DNA on all these to match them together. There had to be some good old fashioned police work, as, as you, you know, right exactly. Had, you had a big part of that there, E.
2: Well, a little bit, a, a little bit of it, but it was kind of like. When I was searching for my other informant, because I was, you know, in the back of my brain after, you know, finding all these women had been murdered, I was thinking, man, did Teresa, you know, that's not like her, you know, and she was supposed to go on this trip with a friend. And, you know, it's, I was like, man, it can't be her. And then I got that phone call about the tattoo on the shoulder. And like I said, I didn't know, but the family confirmed it.
0: It was but, so sad because she had like a nine or nine year old daughter. Well, it's um, it's a shame that uh, our guest couldn't be here to help us out with this one, too. We we discussed the boss man and uh, what he would have been able to bring to the show. And the two of you talking about this, unfortunately, for timing, that just didn't work out for us. Uh, is there any anything else you think with this Super E that uh, our listeners need to hear?
2: Well, again, it's like we talked about in the last episode, you know, uh, these women out here, okay, they shouldn't be using crack or fentanyl, heroin like they're doing nowadays, but they are people, they're not invisible. And, you know, if we can do our best for them, we would, we try to do our best to get them back to their families because they're, you know, their families are also victims too. Right.
0: right. Well said.
2: Adrian.
1: train I, I mean, I don't have anything other than it all It all just goes back to, you know, when we first started this podcast, Super talking about, you know, these girls jumping cars. And, I mean, they're risking getting raped and murdered every time they get in a car. And uh, that's kind of not, uh, he's not exaggerating, you know, because that's exactly what happened here. This guy was going out and killing them.
0: It's, um, it's a, it's, it's sad, but, um, you know, I I wish there was a way that we could measure the number of women that, um, I, and I say women because most of the, you know, prostitutes are, are, are females, but I wish there was a way that we could measure the number that super E, um, helped just by outdoing his job and doing it the way that he did it.
2: Right. Like I tell everybody, the back then it was the crack. Today it's the heroin, um, but the crack, it was, it was such a, uh, it was like a heartless, soulless monster that was consuming these people, and no matter what you could do, you couldn't help them. Because I remember an, another, another one who's she's passed from overdosing because she accidentally overdosed. Uh, on heroin about 10 years ago because it had some fentanyl in it. I remember her grandmother would call me and she was like 90 years old and she was just distraught about her granddaughter out, you know, doing drugs, working the street, you know, getting in strange cars. And she would plead to me, is there anything you can do to help her? And I'm like, the older woman, her name was like Dorothy. I was like, Dorothy, I'm doing the best I can, but I can't, I can't match the draw of the drugs. No matter what I say to her, the draw of the drugs always drowns it out. The the draw of the drugs drowns out the voice of reason and, and safety and survival.
0: Yeah, that is true. That, um, that's a sad fact. Well, we are coming up against it. Um, super E, you got anything to add we have 30 seconds no nope,
2: i think i've said i think i've said everything i i know about this topic
0: ah oh, well there's a lot more to come uh, perhaps our next one will be a little more uplifting <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> well, let's get back to the yeah uh a train
1: yeah i don't have anything
0: okay folks we'll see you the next time then Bye.